You're listening to the Ministry 127 podcast, a complimentary resource for today's spiritual leader. The purpose of Ministry 127 is to aid Christians in developing a biblical philosophy of ministry. Ministry 127 is a growing online library aimed at assisting ministry workers with Bible-based resources and is a ministry of Pastor Paul Chapel, the Lancaster Baptist Church, and West Coast Baptist College. For more information, visit ministry127.com and subscribe to the Ministry 127 podcast for more practical lessons for today's Christian worker. This podcast with Pastor Dean Herring is entitled The Faith Involved in Planting a New Church. Pastor Herring served as a youth pastor, evangelist, and pastor in the state of Georgia before moving to Idaho in November of 2005, where God has used him to plant the South Valley Baptist Church. Book of Romans chapter 4. I'm glad you're here and excited about what uh, the Lord's allowed me the opportunity to speak on. Chapter 4 of the book of Romans. Let's begin reading in verse number 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith, that it might be by grace to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God which quickeneth the dead, And calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. Let's pray. Father, thank you now for the great privilege I have in being here. I'm grateful for this place, and thank you for Dr. Chapel. Thank you for the miracle of the ministry here. Thank you for the way you've already spoken to our hearts. And I pray that in this session, as we speak on uh, the faith in planting a church, dear God, that you would uh, just bless, touch every heart. Lord, use me, I pray, for your honor and glory, and we'll be careful to give you the praise for it all, in Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen. Now, we're talking about faith, and that's faith involved in planting a church. You may be here, and, and you may be thinking about planting a church out from your church, or actually you may be interested in being involved one day in, in planting a church in a city that God lays on your heart. And I want you to understand that there's no way that you can even consider Uh, church planning without understanding and grasping and believing in the subject of faith. It's It's a bit of a bread and butter subject for those of us that have been saved very long. And I doubt probably you've ever heard a message from, from your pulpit that did not either directly or indirectly deal with that subject of faith. And I want you to know that you can go to every conference, you can get all of the materials, uh, you, you, can even, you can even find conferences that if you're planning, on, uh, planning a church, 
Uh, that's what your goal is, that you can get financial help. People will help you buy songbooks. They'll help you get started. You can raise money for your building support, uh, building rent, your personal support. You can find people if you're taking a church and you're, uh, you're sort of salvaging it. You can do all of those things, but I want you to know that when it, when it comes down to it, everything you do as a church planner, really when all is said and done and all the materials have gathered and all of the supports brought in, it's still going to boil down to faith. Faith in God doing a miracle. And I want you to know something, that the planting of a New Testament church is a miracle. It's an unbelievable thing that God in the midst of a world that rejects Him is able to bring about the miracle of, of, of a New Testament church to reach that world is amazing. When God began working on my heart and speaking to my heart a number of years ago about leaving the state of Georgia where I administered for uh, 30 years... Uh, I'll be honest with you, I'd been out to Idaho, I loved the place, it was beautiful, I had a burden, there was a great difference between where I was going, where there were very, very few to no churches, and the Bible Belt, to where there were churches on every corner, and, and in, in my particular area where I was at. And so it wasn't something that God had to coerce me or twist my arm or force me to do, but, but I had a great idea. I, I thought to myself, when God began to work on me, I thought that's a wonderful idea, and I wanted to just take a pen and a piece of paper and say, Lord, that is just marvelous, and I'm going to leave this out. And if you'll just write down for me how we're going to do this, I'll read it, and that'll be a great idea. You know? In other words, what I wanted God to do, if you could give me A and B, and you know, like we do our outlines, C and D, and maybe some of the stuff, just let me know how it's all going to work out because I've got a wife, I've got kids. Uh, you know, we're, we're uprooting everything. We're moving all the way. How is it going to work out, God? Show me, show me from here to there how you're going to fill all this in. But I want to tell you something. God doesn't work that way. God just does not work that way. And if the just shall live by faith, you'll never plant a church by sight. I want you to know that, that that from the very get-go, from the very beginning, from the moment you receive the move of God in your life, from that point, listen, all the way through, it's going to be a faith venture. It's exactly what Brother Chapel's talking about when he says burning the note and then it's over. No, no, no. The truth of the matter is not only should individuals live by faith, but churches should. Churches should operate with the integrity of a business but they always have to be operating by faith, and it's very, very important. No, and you might look at your notes because you want to fill this blank in. No matter how long you've been saved, no matter how long you've been in the ministry, no matter what type degrees you have by your name, your flesh wants to walk by sight. And I'll tell you, mine does. Yours does. You know why? Because if we can see it, we're comfortable with it. I remember we, we took some guys out deep sea fishing, a uh, number of years ago when I was in Georgia, and everything was great till we got out of sight of land. You know, it was there. The land, the land was still there. But when we, we couldn't see land, strangely, but some of the men began to feed fish. And uh, what they fed the fish was what they'd eaten for breakfast that morning on the way over to the, to the coast there. And uh, so, so the truth of the matter is, it, 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 the sight gives us the comfort that it's there. So if I can live by sight... That means I'm living within my comfort zone. I'm able to see and identify and know. And that's really where I was in Georgia. And I was in Georgia in the will of God. But I am so thankful that God in my heart, uh, when I was 49 years old, began to move in my heart and, and called me from my comfort zone in Georgia and moved me 
uh, all the way across the nation uh, into Idaho to plan a work. I'm so glad that God did that and so thrilled for that. I want to just tell you, uh, those of you that are in here, uh, different, maybe a few different age groups, mostly young men, but I want to tell you that God, God uh, if it's the will of God for you to do it, I don't care how old you are, just do it. Look at your notes there. The problem, the problem with the idea of walking by sight is that uh, in the flesh, you cannot please God. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. No matter what you attempt to do in the flesh, good or bad, it's never pleasing to the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. Listen, I don't care if you preach. I don't care if you teach a Sunday school class. I don't care if you run a bus route. I don't care if you plan a church. I don't care if you surrender to the ministry. I don't care if you go to Bible college. Whatever you do that is in the flesh is never pleasing to God. You can do a good thing in the flesh and it doesn't please God. Everything we do has to be by this subject of faith. When I had gotten to a place um, to where I knew that God was moving on me, I went out to lunch with a dear friend of mine, uh, Dr. James Rushing. He taught at the school here for a while, and he pastored in North Georgia, one of the great heroes of my life. Love him with all my heart. He's with the Lord today, and, and uh, saw his daughter yesterday. I sure wish I could talk to him sometimes. I just, I just loved him. And we went out to eat, and, and, and he had some ideas. He loved me, and he, he had some places he, he, he would, wanted me to go and had, had uh, some churches that were existing in the South already there. And I said, Doc, I, I can't do that. It's not a doubt in my mind God wants me to, 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 to go plant a church, and, and I believe he's leading me to Idaho. And then I said, uh, I said I'm, I'm waiting for, and I don't even remember what I said then, but this is what he said to me. He said, Brother Dean, you need to learn how to play checkers with God. Now, if you know Dr. Russian, he's a, he's a funny guy and said strange things. And, and I'm, what are you talking about? And he said, in checkers, somebody makes a move, and then it's not their move until the next guy. They make a move in direct correspondence or in direct response uh, to the previous move that's been made. And this is what he said. If God has laid on your heart to plan a church, God doesn't owe you another move. And so what happens is God deals with our heart and he, and, and he begins to move on us and we're aware of the fact, but this is what we want God to do. God, if you make the next three moves, it'll make my first move easier because I'll know the direction you're going in. But when God lays something on your heart, it's, it's your move and God won't move again until you move. So what happened was I, I surrendered and made, I, I, res, I, I resigned from my church uh, six weeks to help my assistant pastor uh, sort of get acclimated there. And it was amazing to me, I had no meetings, I had nothing set up, I had no, pay, no paycheck coming up very quickly, and I had a wife and children to take care of. It's amazing to me that when I made the next, after God made the move in my heart, when I made the next move, everything began to fall in place. So guys, this is the idea. God's not going to give you His planning list on how you're going to do this, where all the money's coming from, who's going to support you, what the building is you're going to rent, uh, where you're getting your songbooks from, where you're going to get your chairs from, how many people can be in your first service. You're not going to know any of that until you are willing to make the move and as you make that move then God begins to make moves and in direct proportion to what you do God opens these doors for you and it's absolutely just a miracle and an amazing thing now I don't need to say what I'm going to say but it's in my notes I'm going ahead I'm going to go ahead and say it uh, and that's simply this I know this crowd understands the principle of this but but faith is not a substitute for hard work you're going to work hard now listen to me. If you find a book on church planning that tells you you're going to have to sacrifice your family to do the work of God, throw it in the garbage can because it's just not true. 
God's never called you to sacrifice your family, your ministry, your children, your ministry to your children, or anything like that to plant a church. In fact, your family is involved in that and should be incorporated in that. My children knock doors with me, and my wife is just such a, a helpmate to me and a blessing. But, but it is hard work. You will work hard, and, and, and it's going to take sweat, and you're going to have to door knock, and you're going to have to get out and meet people. And, and, and we're still, look, four and a half years later, we're still in the setting up and the tearing down. Every afternoon, Every Saturday afternoon we set up. Every Sunday morning our people get together. We tear down. We have help doing it. But I'm just simply saying there were times when, when there was one time my entire family was sick and it was just in the beginning and I set it up all by myself. That's okay. You know, that, that, that's all right. You don't have to do that every time. But it is hard work. And there's a division of labor. You'll see that on your notes. A division of labor that's clearly defined in the Word of God. Now let me give you that. God will not do what you can do. And you cannot do what God can do. It's all in the Bible. The divisional, it's so clear. God's not going to do your, He's not going to knock doors for you. He's not going to put in the time of study for you. He's not going to invest in people, your life. You've got to make that choice. So there are things that God will not do that is very clearly your responsibility and it all equals out to hard work. But there are things that you can't do that only God can do. And when we do what we're supposed to do, when we do our part, I found out that God definitely does His part. Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe, listen to this, that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now, another thing here uh, in your notes, 11, 6, uh, um, verse 6 of chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews is teaching us this. Number one, that God is who He says He is. Okay? God is who God says He is. And number two, that God does what God says He'll do. So that's very simplistic, but, it, but, it, but it's primary to our understanding of, of, of what faith is. Faith is believing that God is who God said He is, and faith is believing that God will do exactly what He says He'll do, and what that means is that God will keep His promises. So as a church planner, what you've got to make up your mind before you take that first step or before you ever knock that first door is, do you believe that God will do exactly what God has promised you to do? Is there a promise in the book that God made that God won't keep? There's not. So our faith has to be on the Lord. And, and when, when, we, when we begin all of this, we have to get that settled, that I have a God that I can trust. And, and the question is this, can you trust God to do the miracle that you need Him to do? Okay? Can you trust God to do the miracle, listen, that you need Him to do? Now I want to tell you something, I need a building. We're packed out, absolutely wall to wall. I'm either going to find another building or I've got to, you know, we've got to buy land and build. We don't have the money to do that yet. Or we've got to find an existing building or I've got to go to A and B services. I've got to do one of the two. And so what I would say to you, I would say, you know, we need God to do a miracle. And you'd say, Brother Heron, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask God to do a miracle for you. Now I'm going to tell you something. It's so much easier for you to believe in my miracle than it is for you to believe in your miracle. I'll pray for brother so-and-so going over to Tanzania. God's going to use him. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not in any way making light of intercessory prayer. It's a part of our daily life. 
But I'm just simply saying that sometimes we have vicarious faith for someone else. Well, I believe God will do a work in your town. I believe God will do a work in Caleb's town. I believe that God can use you. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why is it if I believe that God can do something great for you that I stagger at the miracles I need God to do for me? So I want you to understand what we're talking about this morning. Planning, I'm talking about personal faith. Listen, I'm not asking you, do you believe God can do what the guy in the next town needs? I'm asking you, do you believe that God Almighty can do exactly the miracle you need Him to do? And in planting churches or living the Christian faith, there's a lot of miracles that we need every day. Now, I want you to look in verse number 17 of chapter 4, and and let's look at that for a moment. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed. And circle that next word. Uh, It says even, circle the word God. Because point one here, that that is the object, that's the object of our faith. The object of our faith, or of Abraham's faith, was God. Even God, Abraham said. Even God. Now, isn't that simplistic? Now, aren't, we're in K-5 right now, aren't we? This, I mean, this is basic stuff, isn't it? Come on, it's bread and butter stuff. Who do you think Abraham trusted in? Why, well, he trusted in God. Well, shazam, Gomer Powell would say. You know, isn't that amazing? That's so simple. But why is it that God is found somewhere down our list of priorities, and when we used up everything else, we finally wind up with God? You ever heard somebody say this back in my neck of the woods where I grew up? If the voice quakes just a little bit, it means they're really serious. So, you know, somebody would say, Brother Dean, all we got left now is God. And I want to say, really? Was, would that be the God that spoke the world into existence? Could that possibly be the God that, that formed the heavens? Is that the God that, that formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life? Is the God that parted the Red Sea? Is the God that healed uh, the, the sick and, and raised the dead? Is that the God that that's all we got left? That's, that's all we need is God. And the problem is we, we wind up with God. Listen, we wind up with God rather than starting out with God. Somebody says, well, all we got, all we can do now is pray. Hey, man, that's how you should have started. You should have started out with prayer, you see. And, and in church planning, faith in God should be our first option every single time. Now, B, faith is only as valid as its object. Faith is only as valid as, as its object. It's the object that matters, not the volume. Um, have you ever heard... Um, uh, the uh, uh, the guy in the Bible that said, um, "Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief." There was a mixture there, and the truth of the matter is, there, there's there's a line where we're at that is total faith, and there's a line over here that is total disbelief. And the truth of the matter is, we ought never be there. And, and we'll never be there till we see the Lord. In other words, we start out here. We put our faith and trust in Christ. And as we begin to grow, uh, as God gives miracles and answers prayers, we grow from unbelief and we're growing toward total faith. And the man said to Jesus, he looked and said, I'm not a, yeah, Lord, I believe. And then he looked and said, help thou my unbelief. Still had a long, long way to go. And it's so often that, that way in, in your life and in my life. I heard uh, something uh, some time back of a, of a man that um, was taking his son out ice skating on a Minnesota lake. And, 
and uh, it was the last day that the ice was to, to uh, you know, be uh, accessible and people were able to get out and do that. So he loaded things up with his boy and they put their gear in the station wagon and headed down to the lake. They got all strapped on and took off, having a wonderful time. And the father said as he was skating, he heard a noise behind him and turned around just in time to see his young son uh, falling as the ice broke beneath him and he fell into the frigid waters of that Minnesota lake. I'll never forget the interview of that dad as he began to weep and cry. And, 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 and before they could get to the boy to save his life, he died there. And I remember the father saying, had I known that the ice was as thin as it was, we never would have gone out on it. I wouldn't have let my boy out on it. Truth of the matter is that dad had great faith in thin ice. See, it's not the volume of your faith that matters, it's the object. You can have great faith in thin ice and it'll fall through. On the other hand, you can have a little bit of faith in thick ice and it'll hold you up. Now, I'm from Georgia. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't go on lakes, okay? I want you to understand that. Unless it's in a boat, you know, or something like that. I was in Indiana and, and we, we ate breakfast and the pastor said, would you like to walk across the lake? I, is this Oral Roberts? What is he talking about? Walking across the lake. I said, I don't walk across the lake. And uh, he said, no, it's, I said, I don't care how thick it is, I'm not walking across the lake. You know, if I was to walk out on a lake, son, they'd have a chain hooked up to my waist with a four-wheel drive cranked on the hill ready for my signal, get me out of here. Uh, I just don't have faith in it. But even with my little itty-bitty amount of faith, if the ice was thick enough, I could, I could do cartwheels on it and it would hold me up. So I want you to understand that it's vitally important that we place our faith uh, in the Lord. And from time to time... Uh, Number C, God's going to stretch your faith. Now guys, listen to me. If it's church planning or whatever it's doing, if it's your finances uh, during during stewardship, I want to tell you something. For the rest of your life and my life, God is going to be stretching us in this area of faith. He's not going to let you stay still. He's not going to let you get settled in your comfort zone. He's not going to let you relax. There's too much to do, and God God knows that it's by our our stretching and challenging of our faith that we grow spiritually. So he's going to, his desire is to stretch you beyond who you are and beyond what you have. And I'll tell you what, church planning will definitely, definitely do that. Number two, your knowledge of the object determines the volume of your faith. Your knowledge of the object in which you've placed your faith determines the volume. It determines how much faith yeah, have you ever noticed at Leadership Conference that they've never had a session on how to psych up your faith? Wouldn't that be great, Brother Chapel? Say at 1.30 this afternoon or tomorrow afternoon in room 305, and we're going to have Brother So-and-so, uh, all the men that are interested in psyching their faith up, if you'll show up there, we're going to help you psych faith up. So we get a room full of people that want more faith, and we all get around, and, and, and you know, we just get down, and he says, now just, I would, just get some bend in your knees, or you'll black out, you know, like at a wedding. And, get some bend, and he just says, just, come on guys, just, just concentrate, and, and you know, sweat's breaking out on everybody's forehead, and they're just straining, thinking hard about faith. And finally somebody says, woohoo, I got it. Well, that's not how it works. You don't psych up faith. What happens is the more you learn about who it is that you have your faith in, the greater your faith goes. That's why we have Bible preaching. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's why 
look, already my faith's been increased. I'm, I'm sorry, already, last night the message was unbelievable. I sat there last night and my faith was increased. It grew last night. Why? Because I learned more and heard more from the Word of God about the one in whom I have placed my faith. I heard an evangelist years ago uh, tell the story of, of preaching uh, in Canada. And uh, he had, um, uh, they had preached Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Saturday was an off day. They would finish up Sunday. And the pastor said Friday night, would you like, we have an off day tomorrow. Would you like to go visit Brother So-and-So as a missionary up beyond uh, some lake and to a, to a, on a reservation? He said, I'd love to. So uh, they got in their vehicle, and man, they were excited that morning. A little Volkswagen bug back in, I think it was like 73 or 72. They hop in it, and they're buzzing off, and everything's white. And the pastor says to him, you know where we're at right now? And he said, well, yeah, brother, we're riding up to see brother so-and-so. He said, I'm sure looking forward to seeing him. No, 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 I know that. I know you know where we're going. You know where we are right now. And he looked around and said, no, it all looks the same to me. And uh, he said, well, right now we're, we're right over the dead center of the deepest lake in all of Canada. And he giggled, thought the guy was laughing. He said, no, I'm serious. He said, they say that the ice is seven feet thick here. And the evangelist told the story. He said, you, you, you're telling me that right now we're over the middle of the lake? And he said, yeah. And, and he said, I begin to get irritated. As he gave the testimony, he said, uh, uh, you know, you didn't even tell me we were coming here. You, you, you didn't give me a hint that, that we were going to drive this way. And he said he began to feel the anger build up in him. And he thought to himself, you know, this guy's an idiot. You know, he's a pastor, but a pastor, you know, sometimes can lose a few bolts. And he's lost some by taking us across this lake. And he said, I got so irritated that I turned my head and looked out the window and began to pray, God, what in the world am I hooked up with driving across the middle of the lake? He said, right about at the point he was at his most agitated, he heard a sound, just was the rumbling. He said, my heart began to climb toward my throat and I knew exactly what was going to happen. The ice was splitting, it would swallow, you know, the volt wagon would fall into the lake, the ice would close up, my wife and kids would never know where I'm at. And he said, right when the fear was at its height, he said, right past him, went a semi-rig. And he said he watched that thing go off into the distance and blew snowflakes everywhere. And he said he looked at the pastor and said, did, did you see what I just saw? And the pastor said, brother, I told you it's all right here. And he said before that he had just sort of been trying to ease off of the seat as they rode and not put enough weight on it that would break the ice. And he said when he saw that he just began to get excited and happy, clap his hands. He said he was bouncing up and down on the Volkswagen seat. And the difference was that he, his knowledge of the object of his his faith, you see, made, made his faith to increase. As he learned more about the ice and the ability of the ice, it, it helped him. It's just like David. I love the story of David. David came out and as God would have it, there was a giant walking down on a valley thumping his chest and defying David's uh, uh, God, defying David's belief, his faith. Everything that David stood for was defied that day by this giant and and, uh, uh, and I want to tell you that there will come a time, listen to me carefully, there will come a time in your life that a giant will walk out into the valley of, of everything that you believe in and he'll defy your God and he'll defy your faith and he'll defy what you're there doing and he'll defy everything about you. And all of those men, those army men that wore the Israeli blues, they were all in their foxholes paralyzed by fear. They were afraid to face the giant that had called out their God. But David said, uh, yeah, hey, I'll go out. And you know, his older brother, 
probably put a cigarette out and then walked up and, and argued with David. You little punk, I know where you came from. You know, Dad had you back watching a handful of sheep and you're out here. And, and, and I, know the, I know the naughtiness of your heart. And David, rather than arguing with him, David just turned his back on him and, and, and just refocused. Is there not a cause? And somebody told Saul, you better see this kid. He's not much to look at, but he's talking real big. I think you ought to at least give him a hearing. Saul called him up and said, he's been fighting. You understand, son... That guy has been fighting longer than you've been alive. And David basically said this, I know two things that make me want to go in the valley and face that giant. Really? Well, what are they? Well, I was watching my dad's sheep and a lion came along. And God Almighty gave me the power of his spirit to beard the lion and slay him. Then later I was watching my dad's sheep and a bear came along and God also delivered the bear into my hand. And I feel like if God would give me the lion and God would give me the bear, that God can give me this giant. So I want to tell you something, guys. Listen to me. Whatever God's called you to do, if it's to go out and plant a church, what you need to do is you need to soak yourself in the Word of God. You need to remember. We talked a little bit this morning, one of Brother Chapel's sessions, about keeping somewhat of a journal. Keep, listen, when you go plant a church, keep a journal of the things that God does and the prayers that God answers. And as you go back, listen to me. Get, get out and read about the lions and the bears. And if, if you're here and this is unbelief and God's given you a lion and God's given you a bear, you sure shouldn't be back there. When it comes time to face the giant and when things get hard in the ministry and, 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 and somebody rises up and, and there's opposition. Paul said, there's a great and effectual door open to me, open unto me and there are many adversaries. If you're going to do a work for God, there will be adversaries. But as you, as you look at, at uh, the adversaries and the things ahead of you, glance back. Because your knowledge of who you've got your faith in, God, and what God's... He's given me a lion. He's given me a bear. Yep, He can give me the giant too. You see, that increases your faith. So you look there in, 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 at a, point A there. David knew that he had given him a victory over a lion and a bear. And let me just say one more thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll move down just a moment. But listen to me very carefully. Your giants will not go away. They have to be defeated. Giants don't leave. Forty days. It's interesting, the study of the number 40. Forty days and forty nights. It, it, it was on their minds. Every day he came out. Every day he thumped his chest. They went to bed that night, maybe hoping the next day he wouldn't show up. Every single day the giant was allowed to, he showed up. Giants don't disappear. You have to kill them. And God Almighty will give you the ability to do that. B, Abraham knew two things about God. Look, look in verse 17 of chapter 4. Knew two things about God. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God. Now watch this next phrase, who quickeneth the dead. Abraham knew, number one, that God can make dead things alive. I want to tell you, I don't care how dismal it looks. I don't care how bad the situation I don't care how, how much of a miracle it might be for anything to happen in what you're trying to do. I want you to know that God can take a dead thing and He can make it alive. Then notice the next part of that. And calleth those things which be not as though they were. He knew that God can bring something, number two, out of nothing. 
When I got to Cuna, Idaho, we had no people, we had no building, we had no nothing. Absolutely nobody, nothing, no one. But if you could go with me this Sunday, you'd stand and look and my the unbelievable miracle of what God's done. I know the Farinellas, just look at me. To stand on Sunday morning and look at people that you know might have gone to hell had you not shown up on the scene and been God's messenger is the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my life. I pastored 30 years in Georgia, and when I see God, I'll thank Him for my salvation, and I'll thank Him for the fact that He pulled me from my comfort zone and sent me to a people that nobody else was knocking their door, and there were no churches there that cared, and nobody had a heart for them. And I'll look at alcoholics that I led to Christ on their, on their front porch. I'll look at men that staggered into our, our church building, never having been in church before, and they were saved. I'll look at families that, that I led to Christ in their living room, and every Sunday, I get to stand up and look out at people that, 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 that there was absolutely before we came, there was nothing there. But listen, South Valley Baptist Church is a something that God brought out of nothing. And wherever the city is and how desolate it is and how hurting and, and without hope and love that it is, I want to tell you, find yourself the city that God wants you to go through and ride through it and believe that God out of nothing can bring something. February will have five years. Unbelievable. And I want to tell you what God did for me and so many others. God can surely do for you. Last uh, or third of all the obstacles that faith overcame. Verse uh, uh, 19. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. His body was dead. Physiologically beyond the possibility of a child, but I want to tell you something. With God, God was able to do the miraculous. It was just an opportunity for God. A, remember that the obstacles are opportunities for God to do a miracle. Don't quit when an obstacle comes up. That's when God can really do something. If everything goes smooth all the time and everything is clear sailing all the time, how will you ever know the value of an anchor till you feel the weight of the storm? The miracle that God gives us oftentimes in our life uh, is in response to something that comes up that we just don't feel like we can do anything with. B, sometimes God will present you with a dilemma so that we can see His power. Hey, Philip, how are we going to feed this crowd? Lord, I don't know. We just got a kid here. You know, just a little, just a lad, just a little, just the Lord. (laughs) Well, what are we going to do? I don't know. Philip said, I don't know. And when Philip said, I don't know, that's when Jesus did the miracle. I want to tell you something. Listen to me. See, when you get to the place where you can't, you have just arrived at where God can. So when you get there and you say, I can't, I I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what the next step is. Hey, great. You just showed up on the spot where God can do whatever God needs to do. So let me encourage you. Don't look, look, when you get when it becomes impossible, don't run from God. Run to Him. Amen. Don't quit on God. Recommit yourself. That's when God's going to do the miracle. Fourth of all, and I'll close, and that's the credentials of our faith. Romans chapter 4, verse 20. He staggered not. You know why that verse so challenged me? You ought to underline that, draw a highlight out beside it, and put sparkly colors around it. He staggered not. I don't want to stagger. I'm talking about a God that can. What is it that you're going to need? What is it that's going to show up on the horizon that God can't do? 
He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Some people make promises, but they can't keep them. Let me tell you three things about God. Number one, God makes promises. Number two, God is able to keep His promises. And here's the best part. Number three, God is willing to keep His promises. Maybe a giant has walked down in your valley and thumped his chest and said, you can't plan a church. That won't, that won't cut it. You, you won't survive. Your wife will starve. What you can do about your kids? Hey, listen, Satan is an expert at pointing out all the obstacles. What you need to know is that your God is greater. And out of this, listen, right now, Right now, there are people whose names are not known and faces are not seen by any of us here. That if God sends you to their city, they're going to be in your church one day. Their life's going to be changed. Their children are going to surrender for the ministry and go to Bible college and go to foreign mission fields. What you have to do is have enough faith to believe that your God can do the miracle that you need Him to do. Thank you for listening to the Ministry 127 podcast. This lesson was entitled, The Faith Involved in Planting a New Church with Pastor Dean Herring. This podcast was designed to equip spiritual leaders to grow in the Word and develop a biblical philosophy of ministry for today's local church. Be sure to let a friend know about ministry127.com. Also, for Christ-honoring publications, please visit strivingtogether.com for resources that encourage spiritual growth and the local church ministry. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast.